One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode, Dave Arthur reviews the S-Works SL8, and we don't think his praise of it is justified. I'm going to try and sell Jesse on One by Kool-Aid Life. Let's see how I go. Corey and Justin Williams change teams, and Legion have a bunch of new sponsors. Run Club takes off, and Chris Horner's corner. All right, let's get into it. You got your Vision Pros on? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're just, we're just currently in... In virtual reality at the moment. I wonder if anyone's watching this through Vision Pros. Wow, there's a thought. That I feel was... sorry for them because it's. I think we upload in 1080, so it's not even 4K. <laughs> I can't wait for that first image of someone doing Zwift. It's got to, It'll be like a DC Rainmaker. It has to be just Zwifting away, sweat just pouring down their face, but they're living this immersive Alp the Zwift experience. You tempted by one? I am. So I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but I'm very tempted by one. I don't even think they're that expensive. And I'm waiting to see the first cycling thing that happens with it. Like imagine if, if someone's ahead of the curve and makes an app or something or integrates it with their platform and maybe in three or four years' time we all have Apple Vision Pro or generic versions. From a from a on bike indoor experience perspective, or from a watching cycling perspective, I don't know whether it's like a NorCal. Mm. He he manages to, yeah. In terms of a content experience, if it's that, possibly I can't imagine riding with the thing on yet. So I, I can't imagine it's got to do with actually exercising in it. But if YouTube have um, if there's like an Apple uh, Vision toggle on YouTube but it requires a recording in like a proprietary mode with a special camera and then NorCal manages to do it and we're like sitting inside a crit like, with him. Oh, there's two things. So the I don't know if you saw that mock-up of uh, watching an F1 race so that the that race coverage is on, on the screen but then laying out in front of it was like the track and you had this completely th- like virtual track in front of you and you could see the – the cars, et cetera, on the track. Like imagine that for a tour stage where you could actually see like the the whole map of the stage and where the riders were and et cetera, and then you could link that into the data and that kind of thing. There's that one. And the other one is, okay, it's not a cycling thing, but like watching an NBA game courtside, there'd be some sort of like, I don't know, telecast experience where you're literally sitting there and it felt like the players were all around you. What, what did you think about the price? This was because there was a lot of people saying, it's just too expensive. It's so expensive. And I, I was looking at going, what, coming from the cycling world? Yeah. That's not freaking <laughs> giving the thing away. So it was 3500 USD yeah. for a supercomputer on your head mm-hmm. with super HD vision and all the advanced computing it's doing for like three and a half grand. It's fucking cheap ads. That's almost a perfect segue, Jesse, because I do want to talk a bit about the SL8. Okay. So supposedly we talk about cycling stuff here. All right, here. okay. But, yeah, just came back to it. I thought it was it, – it's, it's weird because it's one of those numbers where they could have said any number there. Ten grand. Ten grand, 20 yep. grand, 50 grand. I'm yep. like, I don't know. Yeah. Sure, it's worth it. What? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it, Do you remember back in the day when plasma screen TVs were coming out? Maybe mm. er, very early 2000s, maybe late 90s. And like some rich kid mate would have one. And they're like, they were 15 grand. Like for a crappy, massive plasma Ma- box. About that deep. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably 10, 15 grand 20 years ago. Yeah. 
and people would buy them. And now you've got like a supercomputer on your head with like a gazillion pixels Mm. and you're moving stuff around with your hands and it's three and a half grand. Yep. Like what? Yeah. Shout to Luke Mannion who did own one of those ridiculously (laughs) overpriced. (laughs) And yeah, you went back. It didn't take long. It was like five or six years. You went back to his house and you're like, oh, my God. Really? You spent what on this? Yeah. And the technicians that have to come around because they wouldn't yeah. maintain them. You don't, yeah. It's like you don't set them up and they don't last for 15 years. Yeah. You've got to get them, it's like getting your bike serviced. Needed a forklift to get it into the house <laughs> as well. Yeah, so SL8. And uh, it kind of felt like it's back in the news. I've, I've been waiting for this video for a long time because Dave Arthur announced, well, I don't know if he announced, but in one of his kind of first look type videos of the SL8, he said that he was going to get the opportunity to hang on to this particular bike for a couple of months, and he was going to give us a longish term review of the bike. And that dropped this week on YouTube on the Just Ride Bikes channel. It was everything I expected it to be and nothing more. I wish I could be as neutral to it as you, but as someone who's been a fan of Dave Arthur's reviews historically, I think he's gone the wrong direction in mm. this one. I mm. think he's dropped the ball because there's a few reasons which I might want to go through. Do you, do you have anything to say before I start, really? No, I, I, want, you, I want you to go off on it. I just want to clarify that I, I, when I said it's exactly what I expected, that's not necessarily a good thing. Okay. So continue. Well, he used to he used to just, if he was re- reviewing a bike, it would be a, pretty much a spec sheet read and a very generic, roughly here's how I feel it compared to the other bikes. And that's all you wanted from the Dave Arthur review. Now he's starting to go down avenues of quoting tour magazines, aero testing, and starting to get more specific with the reviews, and that's where I, I, I start to lose it. A couple of things. Firstly, it looked like he was trying to review the bike from somewhat of a racing point of view. Mm, this, is, this is interesting. Okay, but go Dave on. Arthur doesn't race. He's a total mammal. Mm. So... What I thought his reviews used to do was, I'm Dave Arthur, this is how I ride, and I'm reviewing the bike. Whereas this was a weird, I'm Dave Arthur, I'm going to quasi-pretend that I sort of race or ride fast and then give my opinions through that filter, mm-hmm. which doesn't work. Because if I wanted to know how the SL8 was ridden by someone with a 5 watt per kilo threshold... I would try and find that review elsewhere. I'd ask someone where that is. I, his opinion of the SL8 as a race bike, I don't care. His opinion of the SL8 as a weekend warrior bike, that I did care about, but he, that's not what he was doing. Mm. Am I making sense with that? Yeah. For example, right, Phil Garman reviews a bike. You're getting, how is this bike at climbing hills at six and a half watts per kilo? That's what you're going to get. If Warren Rossiter reviews a bike, how is it as a hundred kilo weekend warrior? So you, you can you kind of know what you're getting. Whereas now, especially with this SL8 one, I'm kind of going, well, I'm watching Dave Arthur review it, but he's kind of reviewing it as a racer. And now I'm I don't know what I can take out of it. I would have, to be honest, preferred he just reviews it as it is for him, leave the racer reviews for the racers to to do. Um, now the problem is it's a freaking race bike. It's not a weekend warrior bike. So that gets, it definitely does get difficult. Be like me reviewing a, a mountain bike. Mm. Like what? Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't work. So I, yeah, that's, that, that's one of my gripes. It really danced around this, um, this balance of being the spec sheet read and then trying to give performance insights into the bike. And, and, you're right, like the tour magazine thing. He brought when he brought it up, I actually got a little bit like, "Oh, here we go." Can I just dig into the, that him his, him mentioning the tour magazine testing for a bit because he he mentioned it, which he he hasn't mentioned tour magazine testing before. No, so he mentioned it, but then didn't spend any time digging into it. It was mm. just here's how many watts it was in their testing. Mm. Okay, but if you're gonna do that. You have to go another step further because he was using it as a way to say the bike was good aerodynamically. But for example, the the SL8 with the integrated bar stem is 209 watts. 
in the tour magazine aero test. The SL7 with a separate bar and stem was 210. Mm. So the aero is the same. Mm. So to use that as a qualifier and say, hey, it performs quite well aerodynamically, well, as soon as you've stepped a foot in there, so you then have to provide, I feel like if you're going to do that, you then got to actually go further. I mean, the old, the old Venge was fastest of the two of them. The old Venge was 208 watts with a separate bar stem, not with the integrated. So if you're going to go there, I would like to see more of the critical analysis of instead of saying the SL8's great because it compares quite well to the other aero bikes, how about you say it still compares quite well to the other aero bikes, but it's no faster than the Venge from six years ago and it's no faster than the SL7 from the previous generation. If you don't include that, that information... I, I, that's a bit disingenuous to me as of someone who's try, should be providing a review. The thing, any, any time you're going to review a bike like that, it's going to be dis- divisive, definitely, and you could see that in the comments. And I, I don't know, I kind of feel like it is worth removing yourself from the – there's the, the specialised haters and then there's the specialised Kool-Aid drinkers and they're – both very much firmly planted in their corners. People in in the middle, the people like us who would actually potentially have some interest in some in some of the feedback about the bike, I don't really think we played any role in that. And you can kind of see it in the comments. It's either this is overpriced dentists, get over yourselves, or specialise a market leaders, everyone. Let's just, let's hear Dave out and... What he said is very, very grounded in reality. Am I being biased here? Do you feel this review he did was the same as all the other ones? And I'm just getting uh, my back up to it because maybe I'm a specialized hater deep down? Or do you feel like this was a departure from his regular style? That's a good question, Joe, because I do think we come with a bit of baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about this today um, that I do – I, I don't know about you, but I, I was almost, I was actually listening to his uh, review again today in my, hef- in my earphones. Six listen of a yeah, day after. Listen. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I accounted for half his views. And I'm listening to it in my earphones, so I didn't have the actual video in front of me on the right. And I'm almost like I'm listening to every sentence he says and I'm, I'm like I'm ready at the end of every sentence to be angry at it or to have a – forthright opinion on it. I don't think I get I don't get like that with any other brand being reviewed. And so yes, there is definitely some bias that I have. Can I just talk there's still this current of of undertone of the whole thing that this is it's another level of bike. Mm. That's the under, and maybe that's also why well, it annoys it's, me. It's the why would you buy anything else? Yeah. That's the phrase. Okay. I unless I'm living on another planet can I just run through the – can I, for like the 80th time, run through the Tour Magazine's testing? Take me specs? to Planet Coil. Let's okay. go. Let's go. It's the same aero as the SL7 and it's slower. It's, it's – it's, okay, I shouldn't say that. The aerodynamics between the Venge, the SL7, and the SL8 in Tour Magazine's testing, it's all within two watts. They're the same. Mm-hmm. And the SL8 had the integrated handlebars. Mm-hmm. So it's not any faster. Mm-hmm. In a straight line. So anytime the reviews say the holds its speed, it's just fast, it's the same as the SL7. And the SL7 didn't get the hype for being super quick on the flats. But then the reviewers say, oh, this is so good on the flats. It holds its speed. But it's not, I mean, unless the Tour Magazine has completely cooked their testing, it's the same speed. Mm -hmm. Firstly, weight-wise, the SL7 was 6.9 in Tour Magazines as built on their scales. The SL8's 6.6. So it is lighter. It's 300 grams lighter. And these are all the reviewers three or four years ago telling you that weight doesn't matter. We'll get there. And we're going to get there, right? Mm -hmm. So 300 grams I think is significant, but it's a bit rich for the reviewers to be given massive props Mm. to the SL8 for a 300 gram difference, which they previous, depending on what bike they review, they'll tell you it doesn't matter or it's a game changer. Okay? Wait. Climbs itself. Okay. The The other thing with the SL8 is they'll go on about, how how it's just because it's the, it's the combination so the stiffness package well the tour magazine stiffness bottom bracket stiffness on the SL7 they gave a 1.3 58 newtons per millimeter bottom bracket stiffness 
on the SL8 is 61 newtons per millimeter. So it's four newtons more resistant per millimeter to stiffness. And it was a, on a, that was a one rating, the highest rating for the SL8, and it was a 1.3 for the bottom bracket stiffness for the SL7. The lateral stiffness of the fork, the head tube stiffness was was the same rating, was 55 versus 53. The frame comfort measurement, I think they changed. But, uh, sorry. The frame comfort, so the, 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 sorry. The frame comfort, 156 newtons on the SL8. It was 156, so it's the same comfort. It, I, honestly, honest to God, tour magazines testing, all the SL8 is, is 300 grams lighter. With some faster handlebars. With some faster handlebars, which don't make which, a difference because and you can't the drag. And you can't get a handle. You can't get it set. Yeah. So, I, so the, I just, I don't get. Now, it's a, it's a good bike. It rates well. The SL7 rated well compared to the other bikes. So does the SL8. I'm not saying it's a bad bike. I just still don't quite understand these reviewers that just wet themselves over it. Mm. Maybe there's some magic sensation that they get when riding it that the tour magazine's testing can't. Find, potentially. Well, this, this is where I come in with potentially a comment which will piss people off. Okay. Because this magic thing that you're talking about, the 300 grams, or what, what did he build it up as? Six, six and a half kilos, right? It's 6.6. 6. The, the SL7 yeah. is 6.9. Six, okay. So – what he's suddenly, what I think he's suddenly feeling is when he is riding at 280 watts, going full gas up his up his local climb, that he is going to feel that perceived acceleration more than someone pushing more watts, going kind of faster up the climb. That definitely makes sense. The bike's lighter; it feels. Yeah, it feels it, it, it feels better when you're accelerating because it's lighter. Is that what you mean? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes, but that doesn't explain. So sorry, you can go if you want, but that doesn't explain or let people off the hook for the fact that five years ago we were being. And there's a great comment. Can I read this comment? Oh, I I hundred percent because there's someone in the comments basically yeah. called that out. Yes, it's uh, Tom. Tom Shell's first dance. One thing I do not understand is reviewers like you, yourself, all said five years ago, lightness made a big difference. Then discs, well, probably the timing's been out here, then discs came about and they all said that weight doesn't matter as much as aero matters now. Now disc brake bikes are getting light again. Suddenly bikes being light weight makes a difference again. I don't understand how they can say it counts as aero as the venge the frame is hardly of the classic aero features etc etc et but the, the time what what he's basically saying is dead on like we were being sold this for the best part of half a decade that weight doesn't matter and that aero is the dream and now we're being told that's not the case yes. now it's now the bikes are not any faster aerodynamically than the models that came out two generations ago, but they're three or 400 grams lighter as a complete weight. And we're told this is now the, the, the revolutionary top of the line bike because it's improved in a metric that you said a couple of years ago didn't really matter. And I don't have an issue with Specialized doing that. I mean, Specialized have got to sell their bikes. So they're going to try and sell you that. What I don't like is when Dave gets on here and says, if you race... Why would you get anything else? Why would you buy anything else? Well, I'll tell you why. Because five years ago, you were telling me that weight doesn't matter. It's all about my thick aero bike tubes. It's making me go fast get everywhere. Get a System 6. Get a System 6. It's eight kilos. It doesn't matter. Because it's the quote-unquote fastest bike in the world. And now they're not. And why would you buy anything? Oh, it's that phrase just <laughs> yeah. kept, kept yeah. getting me. Oh, I can tell. It's, yeah. it's stuck in your brain. And that's... The crux of it for me is the reviewers aren't sticking to a criteria of how they're judging the bike. It just changes with whichever way the wind's blowing. It's If it's a light bike, light is better. If it's an aero bike, aero is everything. If it's really compliant, comfort's everything. And I, I don't think that's good enough as a reviewer. 
Now, the thing I always said about Dave was that it doesn't really matter because I'm not going for him for a critical analysis, in-depth review. I just want, I'm going for the fast food option. Free bikes. Tell us, tell us, yep. give us the spec sheet, read, show us what it's about. Now I feel like in this video in particular, he was trying to go more of the analysis route. <clears throat> go back, please go back. It doesn't work. That's that's the main thing I think I have to say about that, yeah. There is, I will say there is a, a sh I had a good look around for other SL8 reviews. They're thin on the ground. They really are thin on the ground. I mean, everything I'm told about these bikes is they've sold really well, especially in the US, like they're they're sold out. But just the, the good old-fashioned YouTube reviewer thing just hasn't sort of cut through yet. So, I don't know, maybe that changes. How many guys have you spoken to where they're like, yeah, I've got an old giant Propel or, or a System 6, and they just go, this thing's a dog. Why'd I buy this? And you go, well, like, yeah, you probably should never have bought that. And that's why it matters because like, people will buy a bike if they believe it's the fastest thing in the world. And I just, I, that, that yeah, I've, I just, that flip-flopping, it, it impacts what people are buying when they, when they read this stuff. Mm. Thankfully, I will say, the SLA being a more well-rounded bike, we've kind of gone through that phase of selling people a bike that's not suited to them. Like if someone buys an SLA, it is more well-rounded. So it's going to be better than them having bought a Ribble Ultra, mm -hmm. you know, from what, four or five years ago. So thankfully we're out of that patch. But the, then the thing is, well, what's the next thing that someone's going to be convinced into buying that's actually not suited for them because the reviewers oh, aren't stuck to That's the thing. a good question. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't, hadn't thought about like, it Like there's way. nothing sinister in the SL8 where I'm going, oh, someone's going to regret buying that. So th th I'm thankful for that. Mm. But what's the next? I mean, you mean, I guess hookless maybe. But pe people aren't really – hookless probably the thing that would come to mind, but people are quite resistant to hookless it seems. What, why are we so anti-specialized? Have you ever thought about that? I, mean, I, I don't I – mean, it's not keeping me up at night, but is it just the fact we don't see many of them? Um, is it the, the marketing of it? I, I don't know. I actually tried to think about this the other day. I don't know why I've got a little grudge against well, I got, it. I, I got, I'm, I'm not anti-specialised in terms of the equipment. I'm, I'm, I'm anti this over-the-top froth of it, as mm. I explained before, that doesn't really seem to be backed up by anything. I don't – and I think that that's – that's probably it for me. And I, I, I feel like, oh, they're on a specialized team. You know, everyone wants to be on a specialized team. But just that, that gets pounded into you and it just it starts to bug me. And then I'm like, well, hold on. Mm. What's, wrong, what's, wrong with the, what's wrong with the Super 6? What is it about specialized that gets, like, why is Dave Arthur in that review? He's not getting, they're not paid. They wouldn't be paid. He's not paid off. No, He's not he a shill. What's got him just so aroused about it's arousal. the bike? It's, it's, it's full arousal, like, actually. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Ma I haven't ridden an SL8. Maybe I'd ride. Maybe if I rid one, I'd rode one. I'd be the same. But yep. this, I just like this. this it's like the, you can't help. It's just like an infection mm. of like <laughs> S works. Yeah, I know what you mean though. It's like it, you could you could hear it in the voice. Just the Everything's just gone up a tone. <laughs> yeah. And it's why would you race anything else? But with Tarmac, that isn't the case. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because he's better than that. You know, he's normally down here. You know, oh, this is this is good. Oh, the gearing's good like this. Yeah, it accelerates quite well, but we just went up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I have a take on this, um, but it be sort of was well, progressively announced over the last couple of weeks that there's been quite a few changes with Legion of Los Angeles's sponsorships for 2024. I don't know. People are kind of like, "What? Why? Why are you talking about this?" Sort of two Australians talking about some US crit team, blah blah blah. Well, the reason I am is because basically these guys have been probably apart from a world tour team easily the largest marketing hype train 
I think I've ever seen in cycling from, you know, yeah, from even bigger than world tour teams, a lot of them. So this, this kind of thing matters. And we had, I'm pretty sure we had a chat midway through last year where we were talking about some of the incidents that were going on and we were, we got to a point where we were like, well, what's going on with these sponsors? They don't seem to care that this is the sort of reputation that this team now has. Let me just clarify what's happened. So Specialized have left the team, I've been replaced by Factor Bikes, which I giggled at, and Rafa have left, which I think was, I know, was a financially very, very big deal for, for that team. That was a very big sponsorship, and that's been swapped over to ASOS. Now, are we confer- – what's – as in, like, did the sponsors pull out and these are, like, the second rung they've got to replace? From what I gather, um, with Rafa, it did come to the end of their term. Um, but a lot of these things are, in like, 12-month basis stuff. So it's not, like, it's not to pull pull out. I mean, this this is a relationship that's been going for almost 10 years. So it does feel a bit like a... Because in other sports, quite often, if there's some sort of controversy or potentially if there's a doping scandal, you'll see brands will come out and say, we're not supporting Correct. this and publicly. I haven't seen any of that. No. It's just basically. No, it was all done at the end of the year as as sort of many sponsors kind of roll over and, and do change. But the reason I kind of thought this was news is for a lot of those brands that we just talked about, Specialized and particularly Rafa, Legion, I mean, Legion were Rafa's advertising. I mean, I. I personally feel like they trumped anything EF did in terms of team type stuff, even just anecdotally riding around Sydney, you would see Legion jerseys. This is Sydney, Australia. You would see Legion jerseys far more often than you would see an EF jersey. Um, as I said, when we were talking about this last year, you go to the Australian Rafa homepage and there is Legion on the front page. They were, they were the main photo shoot type thing. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether I'm giving – actually, I don't really know whether I'm giving credit to the to the sponsors for assessing this for where it's at. I don't know what went on behind the scenes. But even on top of that, Legion were very much the poster child or the, the poster boys for this new generation of crit racing in America. You were seeing those new leagues develop, which they were heavily involved with, that Lion's Den thing, which was very much – is them basically – almost taking on the responsibility of the sport in general. Whether that continues now with potentially less money involved, I don't know. There's two other things I want to quickly say, and I don't know why, but um, Corey Williams has left and he's now in Miami. Um, And that's by all accounts been not by – Mutual agreement. So he's, yeah, he's with Miami Blazers. So he's he. Well, so he's he's got the tag Hoya Sunnies. So I don't know if they're sponsoring both teams. Um, I can see what, that's a big. He he's got a collaborative post with Tag yeah. Hoya. That's a big deal. Mm. That's a massive deal. They've got three million Instagram followers. I'm just seeing this now. That's massive. I wonder. That's impressive, Corey Williams. Damn, that's sick. That's that seems like he seems like he's left Legion and he's gone up a level, which is kind of interesting, given there are rumors around what took place in 2023 that there are still some unpaid unpaid riders from the 2023 roster, based on yeah, few accounts from from people in the US. Okay, all right. So it's, it's yeah, it seems like um, the Corey's. Corey's left. He's going to Miami Blazers, and he looks like he's he's. It's like a post breakup era. He's got. He's like. Uh, he's 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 flourishing, um, and then uh, and then it looks like Justin's still keeping uh, Legion going, just with with different sponsors. I do think this is good for the US crit scene. I agree. It sp- spreads it out a bit more. Like Legion was a joke. That have they run their crits? They'd have like twenty teams and a thousand people, and it, it was just. It was a bit. That was just so – the marketing was so strong and it was a success from that angle. But it, I don't know. It was – I kind of like that it's 
now a bit more spread out, yep. a bit more love from a, from a financial point of view to some of the other teams now. And it's probably going to make the racing a lot better too. I have intentions of bringing someone on uh, in the next couple of months who's heavily involved in promotions in the US and the US crit scene to kind of get a, a idea of actually what's involved financially, getting the teams together, all that kind of stuff. And so that's potentially coming up. Yeah, I think you're right. Probably a good call in the, in the long run. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So I want to talk about my one by setup. Okay. And you've got no interest. I don't, it's, you, this is in the notes, got, for everyone listening. This is in the notes, and Chris is, is, is wrote me a thesis on, on one-by setup. I'm yeah. like, are we going to talk? Like, I really are we talking talk, about I want to talk about one-by. All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's easily, easily the most questions I get on all kinds of things is about the one-by stuff. I find that really surprising. Really? Yeah. Just don't use it unless you live in Florida. So just you're two by. I just don't get it. Okay. Unless you just want your bike to look cool or you live somewhere it's dead flat, just run two by and stop asking Chris about one by. That's my that's my opinion. I don't uh, convince me otherwise. I don't really want to try and convince you otherwise. I just want to really give a little bit I really want to talk a little bit about the experience of using it which has its limitations because you have one front chain ring, okay? Like that is that is very much the case. So like I, as I've said in the past, for those of you who ha- don't know, I'm running a 50 front tooth and a 1033 rear cassette. And that, uh, that 50 to 33 is like running the old 3925. Now, at this point, we're just going to put the camera on me because Jesse's going to fall asleep. Um, so that's that's what – so it's like the old 3925. Okay, that's a right? hard gear. So it's, a, it's a gear to push. And to step down from that, so if you're actually in that 33 and you then shift up a gear, you're going to a 28. So that's quite a shift from the 33 to the 28. What do you mean that's like running a 28? What's like running a 28? No, so the next gear down, so it's a 33, 33 tooth and then the next gear down is a 28 tooth. Oh, right. So that's, what I'm saying is that's that's actually the biggest jump in the cassette. I see what you mean currently in terms saying. of like a cadence change. Correct. Okay, yeah, so I see. So example, like if I'm climbing in that 33, like on the steep section of Acuna, you can keep a really nice set of cadence in that 33, but as it starts to sort of crest out a little bit in that midsection and you you go into the 28, you're like, oh, that's, that's a bigger gear. That's more of a shift than your normal, you're kind of used to, all right? So that's like climbing on a one-by, yeah, it's... I might also add, you're, you're going up a Kuna steep. Yes. You're 65 kilos. Yes. Threshold above 300 watts. Yes. Like that's very fit. Imagine that for someone who whose threshold is 260 watts at 75 kilos, which would probably be closer to the mean. It's not the right it's, setup. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, absolutely. I'm not gonna not gonna disagree with that. Okay. Um, but the limitations around the gearing, right? Like you can work that out. You can go to a gearing calculator thing online and be like, okay, well, this is the this is what this particular gearing allows me to do. So that's all marked out in front of you. I don't want to try and sell this to you. I couldn't really give a shit if you're going to do this or not. But what I kind of think is interesting, specifically about the way SRAM have done this 
is they've almost sort of gamified cycling or or the, this this niche of the equipment world if you if you want to fully go into the ecosystem so if you just fully embrace SRAM ecosystem life okay and you've got you're going to run a mountain bike you've got a gravel bike and you've got a road bike all of a sudden all those parts become interchangeable so the one time that I went down south I had the opportunity to put the Explorer I think Explorer derailer on and a 1044 on <laughs> with a 50 tooth chainring what are you laughing at who is doing that people who people who are doing it Oh, great. You want to go ride some hills? Change your derailleur. Hmm. Adjust the limit screws. Yep. Tension the B. Like, what? This is, this is, <laughs> this, but it's doable. I'm trying to point out it's doable. Take the chain off. Put the chain back on. Yep. You can do it in under 20 minutes. It's really not hard. It's really actually bloody simple to do. I did it. Well, it's more simpler as just having two bikes yes. and just not doing Absolutely. it in the first place. And as I said to you in the very beginning, <laughs> this is for people who want to okay, fully. Sorry, you're not selling it to me. You just, okay. Yep. If you just want to fully, <laughs> absolutely go down this route. Okay. And like I'm, now, that said. Oh, you also need to buy a second $800 rear derailleur. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And that could also be on your, I don't actually don't. I don't know why I'm trying to defend this. I'm just saying that it's doable. So for be- And there are plenty of people out there who have a gravel bike. So they have the gravel bike set up on that bike if they want to, and they can slap that on their road bike. It's all interchangeable. Pair it within seconds. Like this is the See, this is the ultimate, Chris. So I'm just going to go on tangent here. This is the, you know where you said you have one bike to do it all? Mm. Have <laughs> one rear derailleur to do it all. Or you elitists with, with three rear derailleurs. No, just have change the wheels over. Change the rear derailleur, change the chain. Now you can just run, but you, as long as you got a frame set and handlebars, yep, you're, you're you good just, to go. All you do just is a just, quick strip and rebuild, yeah. and you're off. You just put a separate derailleur in the car, drive out, and away you go. Yep. But mark my words, Jesse. Mark my words. This is where, as the gearing ratios, and we're probably going to see that later on this year, become bigger in the road space that more and more people will try and doing this, definitely. And as I said in the beginning, if you fully embrace the ecosystem, if you get the Vision Pros with your Apple Watch and your everything else in there, it's all going to all gonna work mm-hmm. potentially together. Okay. I mean, I was kind of fascinated by it because when I, when I thought, okay, I want to do this full Kool-Aid build and go one by on it, I'm – certain that the limitations of it would just be laughable. Can kind of get around it. Mm. And especially because you've still got a 50-tooth front ring. Yes. Like, and a 50-10 is huge. Yes. You could easily go to a 48 or even lower, and you're probably not going to be spinning out even a 46. Like a 46-10, you're probably aero-tucking by the time you've spun that out anyway. And then that jump at the top end of the cassette is not going to be as much because it's a smaller front ring. If you were going to try and make this your one bike with the one bike setup, 100%, you would put something beginning with a four as your front chain ring. No two ways about it. But there is something like, and I use this phrase like gamifying cycling. And I don't want a big, I mean, I couldn't give a shit about tram, whatever, but I can't, at least it feels like they've got a plan for what they're selling us or going to sell you in the future. Like, the fact that you could just take a derailleur off, put another one on, put a ridiculous 1044% on, like an I can do this in under 20 minutes. There's no cables. It's just pairing. Done. Okay. Yep. It's, it feels, it feels, it feels like, the, I don't want to say it. <laughs> I was going to say like the future of cycling, but okay. it feels no, like yeah, yeah. you're in the future cycling. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, uh, I'm going to back down. A hundred percent. I think, like for me, with what I'm doing, I'm, I would never change my gear ratios really anyway. So it doesn't matter. But if, like, if whatever, if that's where we're going, 
and and people are a one bike to do it all. Like seriously, like that's going to get more popular as much as I would like to take the piss out of it. And and you and you need your you you need your easy gearing for a gravel setup, and then you want to go harder gearing on the same bike, and that means a derailleur change, cassette change, and it's that easy. I mean, it's kind of like this Apple ecosystem thing where right now you're kind of in it for the gains you're going to get in the future because you know that eventually it's going to come out and then you're going to want to be in it. So you kind of stay there. Um, and, yeah, like if, if if SRAM keep making all these changes easier, then I, I'm i with you. But but you have to be doing the type of riding where, where it's going to be. I just know how I ride. I, I, a one-by one setup is perfect for you. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. The only time it wouldn't work for you is if you went and did – like the snowy classic or something like that, where you've got to get up a locker. And what I'm saying to you is in that particular circumstance, you get you can get around okay, it. Okay, so what do you do? Can you run me through this setup? One one thing I have with gearing now I'd like to fix is this situation. I run my crit, crit gearing with two by, uh, let's say a 55-42 front and an 11-28 rear cassette. And then I'm going to go and do snowy classic, but I want to have a compact chain ring. So right now what I have to do is either completely swap the chain set out or just change the chain rings. But then that's a rear derailleur height change. So that's a finicky thing. If you get that wrong, you're dropping your chain. So I don't touch that now. I basically just use a 5339 for everything. It's not the best climbing gear and it's not the best road race top end speed gear, right? So how do, how would I do this with one by in terms of the rear derailleur? So I run a... Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, it's going to be more a... expensive. Yeah, okay. Well, bec- yeah, maybe not because then you wouldn't have had to buy the front derailleur in the first place. So but... I, buy a, I buy a 50. I have a 50 on the front. Yep. And then for most of my riding, I run your setup. You have now 30, a 1033. I'm going to do Snowy Classic. Right. I've got to get up Balocca. Yep. You're going to need three things. Okay. You're going to need a Explorer derailleur. You're okay. going to need a 1044. You probably don't need quite that much. You might okay. need a 1040, 1040. Mm-hmm. And you'll need a new chain. Okay. And you will have to do, again, I managed to do this, but actually removing the derailleur, pairing it up is like easier than pairing your phone to your... Can I just ask, on the derailleur, why do you need the road derailleur? Does the Explorer derailleur work with a 33? Can't you just use the bigger cage derailleur for the easier gear? You could. could, I mean, it'd be a bit ugly, but it'd work. Yes, you could run a Explorer... Derailer, full time. Okay, and then that would so that would save buying the. I mean, it wouldn't if you bought the entire group set. It wouldn't come like that. But what yeah. vegan does? Vegan no. has a mountain bike derailer, runs okay. it full time, has a ten fifty something back there. I don't know what it is. Okay, and that's his. That's his full time. But you could gig. still run that with an easier cassette, so the jumps between the gears aren't as big for your road stuff. Correct. You could still do that. Okay. Yep. And then you just have a spare chain that you're using with the bigger yep. bigger cassette. Yep. And then, okay, so take wheels off, cassette swap. Yep. Potentially you just leave the same derailleur on. You just yep. uh, probably B-screw adjustment. Yep. Clear the bigger cogs in the cassette. That was it. That's it. Yep. Damn. Okay. And Am I missing something? That seems like pretty... Yeah. Okay. Again, this right. is this is something I managed to do. Okay. Like I can't bl- I wouldn't know how to start bleeding a disc brake. I mean, absolutely no idea. Okay. Whereas this kind of makes sense to me. Um yeah. Now, yes, there's going to be chain inefficiencies once you start getting into your 50 40 area, you're probably going to be losing mm-hmm. 6 7 watts, definitely. Okay. But for the rest of it, yeah. Okay. Now, could you do this with Shimano? Because you can run one by with Shimano. But oh no, because you don't have the ten tooth. That's mm. the stitch up. Yeah. So then your biggest gears are fifty eleven, which is too small for me. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't work on you. Couldn't it? Wouldn't work Shimano. No. Yep. Okay. Pampag. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why are we laughing? I don't know. God, that's sad, isn't it? <laughs> Wasn't that long ago? 2020, we were running that. Yeah. I guarantee you, like, the, the what is it now? The 1036 at the moment on road is the max that that red derailleur will allow. 
Okay. I reckon that new red, I reckon we're getting at least two more cogs. Back See, that's where you that's so you can then run. So you'll have a road yeah. derailleur yep. running ten thirty eight. Cassette, cassette swap, jeez, yeah. That's so then you're basically done. just cassette swap, cassette swap, chain and chain swap. swap. I can't believe it. I almost sold you on it by the end of that. I, it, like I haven't tried it, no. so and I'm not into gear. So there's probably people in the comments like you got that totally wrong. But from from what I've we've just discussed, then literally that was purely off the cuff. I I can see how that would solve a problem I had. I, I have right now with the two by. I, I, I'm standing behind behind. I'm standing behind everything we said. I reckon. Okay. I reckon everything there is as technically accurate as you can expect from the Nero show. Pretty much. I did just want to say just before I wrap this up, it's friggin' amazing how many like people either ask questions or are kind of fascinated about like my writing experience. And I'm sure you get this as well. It's it's. Bloody awesome. Like, I, I really appreciate it. I don't know I don't get back to everyone. Apologies, but do keep the questions coming and hopefully what I tend to try and do is we'll eventually talk about it here. That's the idea. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, if, yep. if you don't get an answer DM-wise, hopefully you get Well, this here. is a perfect example. You're like, oh, I want to talk about one buy. Mm. And then coming into this, I was like, fuck, what, why do I want to talk about one buy? And now uh, you've, you've, we, I have discovered potential improvement in my writing experience just from that. 10-minute chat we had. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Rapid fire 50-minute club. Jesse, hit me. What do you got? Yeah, first thing was uh, Trainer Road YouTube channel. They did a really good video essentially debunking athletic greens, basically going into the research on the ingredients that are in athletic greens and the amounts of those ingredients and basically coming to the conclusion that a lot of the ingredients that do have research – are underdosed and a whole bunch of the ingredients don't have much research. So it's probably not a good place to spend your money. And I just thought it was a quite well, well, it was very well put together video, well edited and concise. And it was just a tasteful way to actually add value to a discussion as opposed to some of the stuff we've seen in, in cycling, which tends to be more like the Hambini style kind of shit throwing things, which some of it's good facts based and then some of it ends up just being sort of general shit throwing. And I thought, yeah, the way Trainer Road did that video was really cool. I, I kind of rated it. Athletic screens, soft target. You know how like it's – we've had this chat before, but like it's easy to to give out about certain brands on there, like Campy. Like it's – it sounds like you're being controversial saying Campy's irrelevant, but it's not really. It's just a soft target. No. Is Athletic totally, Greens not? Okay. No, not Athletic Greens because when you have – the godfather of science fact-based content, Huberman, come on and basically say the product is filling all the holes in your nutritional needs, blah, blah, blah. And then, you, you know, the, the sort of the holier-than-thou attitude he kind of has of I am the godfather of research and science and then the supplement you're promoting doesn't hold up. I think that's that's not a soft target. Okay. That's like... Prime, perfect target, I would say. Just while you, just while you, I, I just wanted to push back on you, just for the sake of it. Okay. But can you pause the video? Have you got the video up there? I don't. I want you to pause the video at two minutes and fifty-two seconds, and I want you to tell me what that shot looks like. Does that remind you of any other YouTuber's shot? Oh, it looks like Dylan Johnson. 100% ripoff. <laughs> like that is the race numbers. a legit straight up. I've messaged him. It's just a total ripoff. <laughs> so funny. Um, but sorry, Dylan, your uh, production value just is getting absolutely smashed by the, uh, the trainer road. Just the cutaways and everything going on in there. That's That was all happening. Can we talk about while we're, while we're scattergunning, can I talk about Chris Horner? <clears throat> Chris Horner's corner? Horner's corner. Horner's corner. Uh, the butterfly effect. Is Chris Horner the new Duran rider? Yeah. It's, it's uh, mate, you just got to get out there on your freaking, <laughs> get out there on your rim brakes, throw up at the top of the hill, and then you've done an interval. <laughs> get out there, son. And I need a $7,000 skin suit. I, there's a, mm. <laughs> 
it's kind. He's one of those people you just have to kind of listen to through one ear and don't think about it too much, and and just go for like the message he's sending. Do not spend any time digging into the details, or you'll just lose your mind. Like I don't. Oh, I I I won the tour to. I won the Volta without doing intervals. So don't yeah. do it. Like what? Are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? But then the principle of the video was something along the lines of. Make sure your nutrition is good and you're well recovered. I'm on board. But then he does it by the, yeah. like, don't do it. I'm like, no, 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 why? Because, ah. So this this is, this. oh, I'm so <laughs> glad you picked that up because it's exactly the same thing that, that bugged me about it because the message, it's a bit like Duran Rider some of the times, the message, the core message, which can often be hidden at around the eight-minute mark, <laughs> is really valuable and really useful. The whole other Crap at the front about oh you don't need a seven that that one you don't need a seven thousand dollar skin suit to swap off at your local bunch rate. Hey guy, when I was out of my local bunch rate and I didn't have a seven thousand when I was a freshman for twenty five years I didn't have a seven. That's just <laughs> slop. But hidden at the back of that video is a really really good message and it's really clear. Focus on right when you're getting into your main fitness area, when you want to come to your main objective, whether if it's the Grand Fondo or the Tour de France, it's those the weeks leading up to that event which are the most important. Basically saying the way to, to if you want to concentrate your time or your, your effort is to, to really try and create a buffer around your event zone or when that period of time is you know, the month leading up, try and reduce the stresses in your life at that period because it's when you're going to be the most fatigued, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and that will allow you to do the best before. Brilliant advice. Yep. Brilliant. To be fair, some people, that cuts through to some people though. Mm. There's some people that love that just super hyper simplified, almost to the point of absurdity. Mm. If that gets the message through and it's a net win at the end, then fair, you know, fair play. And then the, the people on Weight Weenies Forum or what Trainer Road Forum are like, oh, he said intervals don't work. Like, yeah, that video is probably not for you anyway. Mm. So, fair, yeah, f- fair enough. So that's why I want to give it actually, like, my take on it is actually giving it, I'm going to say give it credit. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the message is good. Agreed. I, I feel like. 100% agree. Most of the, from the ones I've seen. 100% agree. I'm not going to get, like, sand in my crutch about how he's delivering the message or what he said about intervals. Mm. I, yeah. So fair play. I, I, you know what I reckon's happening? Um, I reckon his son who edits the videos is saying, you've got to be like clickbaity YouTube at the front. I feel like the last like three weeks, yeah. it seems like he's just gone. All right, let's go. Yeah, let's Every go. topic. Let's hit him. I'm just doing the, the, like the durian rider angle of yeah. all, like absurdity around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, they're working because they're all in my homepage. Yeah. Like, it's kind of. Uh, he's the most, when, when people message me about getting people on the show, he's the one person people always ask about getting on. So, Chris, if you're out there, let us know if you're interested. Are you familiar with the phenomenon that is the run club? I, I am. I, uh, for two reasons. Firstly, it's in my algorithm. I don't know how. I don't run. I'm not into running. For somehow, Instagram wants me to join a run club. So I've seen it there. And then also, I was in Centennial Park last weekend on a Saturday morning. There's these packs of like 30, 40 just joggers. And they're not park run people. They're not hard out run squads. It's just run club taking over Centennial Park. It's like a bunch ride, but they're running. 100%. So... I've come at it from a different perspective. I didn't see any of this online. Okay. None of it. And then all of a sudden, like you, I started seeing, I don't know what the collective noun is for runners. I'm going to just run with Peloton of mm-hmm. runners. But it's phenomenal. It's just a pack of mixed gender, mixed ability joggers all sort of shuffling along together. Mm-hmm. And it's quite um, and at the same time, I, I feel like there's been this reduction in the uh, – often you would see the the set – and it still a little bit exists, but the, the kind of boot club setup. So you'd see the the weights on the ground, the kettlebells, all this type of thing, and there'd be this big collective group of people swinging kettlebells around at 5 a.m. in the morning. 
that seems to have kind of died out a little bit. And mm. this has been replaced by the run club. Since then, I have gone ahead and found all this online and holy shit, it's all over Instagram particularly. A couple of things I don't understand from it. Mm-hmm. There seems to be an obsession with running with full full headphones. Oh, yeah. you got to have your over your ears. Like the last couple of weeks in Sydney, it's been disgustingly humid, like 90%, like low, below 30 degrees. You just walk outside, you're sweating. I cannot imagine <laughs> what it is like. With those heads, with those headphones on, like AirPods Max, or it's whatever. just yeah, like what are you doing? Um, but it seems I don't know, see, like super inclusive. But it's funny, is this has this just appeared from influencers? Seemingly is this an so. influencer yeah. thing? But it's not cool to just go to the gym anymore. I feel like that crowd now is is you've got getting more of these. Um, who's the guy we? T- t- uh, the 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 which um, one? Oh, Mark Lewis. Mark Lewis. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna call him. I was gonna call him the TRT guy. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's now just the TRT guy. Uh, it doesn't bother that. But that style of kind of that. I, I'm a hybrid athlete. Mm. Where it's like I'm kind of very poor at cardio, but I also go to the gym. That's now the cool thing. It's like I go to the gym, but then I also do my cardio. But you don't. It's not cardio anymore. Now it's I do run club. I do mm. so, which is good. It means people are doing some aerobic activity, not just going so you, around the gym doing exercise. You think these people have come from CrossFit? I think they've come from the gym. Right. So the person that used to just be back buys and tries now tr- is around. now back buys, tries, and 5Ks with a run club. And, yes, I think the people where, – where, where are the circuit people on, on the – with the yoga mat and the trainer, they've they've seen to go on too. Is there a, is there a Huberman a tier element to this? Is is the run club trot? Is that a zone two trot? I am almost certain there is a carry over there. Yeah, wow. it's like the zone two. You do it's your lower intensity day. You do run club. Yeah, run club. Yeah, and yeah. you but you so that your Tabata. That was what they always used to do. Was like mm. ten seconds on, twenty seconds off. Was like the the Japanese invented this. Whereas that's no, nah, that's not good anymore. So you do weights and run club. Influencer powered fitness phenomenon. What's the uh, what's the cycling equivalent then? I feel like we're so boring. What a roadie! What's the roadie equivalent of like run club? Because we used to have Everesting. That was the thing. Um, but that was quite like elite. Um, we, there was also the Strava phase, kind of like segment chasing. We don't. We don't seem to have that many. Like, it's not a, it's not a mass trends. participation thing. I, I reckon the the influence the influencer buzz thing at the moment in cycling is bikepacking. Oh yeah, and you kind of make that look sort of like sexy, mm-hmm. really, because you've got like sunsets and you know your North Face gear on, and that's that's the like sexy bikepacking mm-hmm. is your your influencer trend. Do you feel like the trends in cycling that would be equivalent to the run club thing is more about the equipment and less about the actual exercise portion. Yeah, probably. Like you don't see the fitness, the fitness crowd or the gym crowd or the run club crowd are about the actual exercise. Whereas a lot of the influencer culture in cycling is about what they're wearing or the OSPW. And you get the odd kind of, I would say sort of cringy, inspiration-based sort of Instagram reel of some guy riding with a quote. But a lot of it seems to be more like almost car, like car uh, performance car culture Yeah, of like I've got a souped-up S-Works. Yeah, but I I think that kind of undersells cycling a bit. And I think you said this to me when we saw the peloton of runners running around and we were both – and you sort of said, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be doing something else. In two years, like they'll be, they'll move on. That group of people will move on to the next trend, whatever it is. They're not like cyclists. Mm. Most, most cyclists, all cyclists that end up on this channel, like they're in it for life probably, or the best part of their, their life. Like there's, they're going down rabbit holes that the run clubbers aren't. And 
there are mm. probably there's there's a bit more it's a bit more of a sustainable long term mm. thing. Mm-hmm. As sad as we are, it's easy to just turn up to a run club and trot around for for a summer, and you probably will move on to something else. It is harder that the barriers to this to us are bigger, but I don't know the the, the gains you're, are yeah you're more yeah you're, yeah you're gonna be talking gearing and one by like for another year run club your chats probably what's his own too all right lastly quick update Catherine did win her swimming race last week so first first race as a human she's ever won like mass like competitive sports thing and she's not a competitive person by any stretch of the imagination at least didn't think she was and you know she sort of got gets out of the pool and she like comes over and she's like oh i won and then you can kind of see this thing mm. <laughs> come over this this child of like i feel good <laughs> and it's it's like it's interesting seeing that come across someone because you know they've never experienced that before and then i'm like I think I said something like, oh, is it a good feeling? It's like, yeah, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> like I beat, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I don't know, bad news for Chris because mm. I think that potentially means the, the penny has dropped and she wants to try and keep swimming, but that's all right. So we'll see. Any updates yourself? Nothing. How do you yeah. keep that in check though? Like you, you, beat, you beat Lily mm. in a swimming race. I don't know. Do you let that? Do you just let that stir and just and and f- actually feed it to try and make her better? No, no. Or you go actually? No, you beat her in swimming, but you know, let it lie. Let it lie. Like there was one. There was a situation there with like this one, like the the kid won, and like the dad go because they were timing the races, and the dad goes over to the person timing it as the her, his daughter finishes, and like asks the timer, "Oh, what time did she do?" And you could see he was like disappointed. Like the oh. kid won half the bloody pool, <laughs> and he was like disappointed with her. And like you, then there was this weird interaction where the kid gets out of the pool, and the dad's like, you know, oh, you won, but let's have mm. a look at the time you did here. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> like really? I mean, that's probably what it takes. Yeah. So it's like anything. Like she'll reach a point where it's like, oh, now I'm being flogged by everyone. What about this? So young Australian of the year mm-hmm. was. I didn't see this. You didn't see this. No. So let me set the the context here. The Australians of the year open category were the was a man or woman that uh, involved in cancer research. I think they um, coming up with a not a cure but a treatment option for melanoma. So, you know, fair Achieved. play. Yeah, you've, mm. you've, you yeah. know, you're contributing, Congrats. right? The young Australian of the year was Emma McKeon, the swimmer. Oh, the swimmer. You paid swim professional, fast. Paid professional paid athlete. Yeah, that's an Isn't that thing. a reflection of Australian, like, what we're... <laughs> it's like, yeah, but then you start getting fast. into the argument of like, oh, but she's inspiring people to... And I think with her particular situation, there is a bit of this that she is very good at the grassroots level, trying to get people into the sport and fit and healthy and active and this this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, Australian of the year. Oh, but that's that the, we're, we've like, always done that. Like Steve Waugh was like <laughs> Australian of the year. Like it's yeah, it's always been a bit of a. Mm. She, and you know she wasn't. You know, she wasn't like a refugee from Iran and, mm. like, you know, she went to Illawarra Grammar and mm. she's good-looking blonde. Like, yeah, she's really fantastic swimmer and, you know, good role model for the sport. But, like, the standout under-30 Australian human being is, a, like, a good swimmer. Did Cadell, Cadell get Australian of the Year the year he won it? I reckon he did. Thorpey definitely I, they'd did. They'd throw him an OAM or something. Member of Order oh. Oh, that is Water of AM. Australia. Oh, I thought it was an OAM. Oh, okay, yeah, they did give him an Water of Australia. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, on that bombshell, Jesse, uh, we will see you next week. See you then. See you now.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.